You're listening to the Best in Wealth Podcast, episode number 91. This is the Best in Wealth Podcast, a show for successful family stewards who want real answers about wealth and investing so we can feel secure about our family's future. At the Best in Wealth Podcast, we think differently about wealth and investing. You should do. Well, hello, everyone. My name is Scott Wellens, and I'm your host of the Best in Wealth Podcast. This is a show dedicated to helping real people. That is you build real wealth so together we can take family stewardship to the next level. I am a certified financial planner, an educator, and a wealth advisor, and it is great to be with you today. Today's episode is Access is Never Permanent. We are in a season right now, a season of behavioral finance, and we're on rule number seven of 10 from the book, The Laws of Wealth, Psychology, and the Secret to Investing Success by Dr. Daniel Crosby. But before we get to the topic, I need to let you in on a little secret. If you've been listening to this show, if you are a regular listener, you know that my family and I were building a house. My dad was a home builder growing up. I've always dreamed of building a house and by golly, it's going down. However, I am a conservative guy by nature in the decisions that I make for my family and my finances. And we thought this home was going to be done in the middle of August. So on my last home, I sold pretty quickly and set a closing date to September 1st. I wanted to make sure I could take the proceeds and put it all in to my new home. But here we are now, the beginning of September, and guess what? The house is not done. We, my family, September 1st, closing on the other house, we're out on the streets. Well, not really. We're actually living in a hotel right now. It's a nice hotel. It's a Hilton. It's, uh, they're called, I think it's a new chain by Hilton, or at least new around here. They're called Home 2. That's the number two suite. So it's a, it's a rather large hotel room with a couple of rooms and a, a real small kitchen with a, a dishwasher and a couple of burners and a microwave. So we're not in one little tiny hotel with just a couple of full-size beds, but nonetheless, we're in a hotel. The other thing is, oh, and by the way, we're in this hotel for a, at least a month. I, th- I don't think any more than that because we're not moving into our new home until the first couple of days of October. I mean, a month in a hotel. Have you ever spent a month in a hotel? This is going to be interesting. And to top it all off, I'm building a new studio in my new house for this podcast. But since it's not done 
And since I've left my old studio, I actually missed the podcast last week because all of my gear was loaded up. And now I've taken, I've got, you know, I don't know, three or $4,000 worth of gear that is now installed in one of the bedrooms in the hotel room. And here I am broadcasting from the Hilton in Menominee Falls, Wisconsin. Let's get to the topic of the day. All right, here we go. The topic of the day is excess is never permanent. What do I mean by that? And as I stated at the beginning of the show, we are in law number seven of eight of Dr. Dan- of Dr. Daniel Crosby's The Book, The Laws of Wealth. And he starts each chapter out with a quote. And by the way, if you have been interested in these other topics, these other laws, go to Amazon, look up the laws of wealth, pick up his book. It's a gem. It's great. But the quote at the beginning of this chapter was, many shall be restored that have not fallen, and many shall fall that are now in honor. Dr. Daniel begins this chapter about talking about the phrase, this too shall pass. I know you've heard it before. I know you've heard that phrase before. I've used it several times in my life. And I'm going to give you my own spin. As you may know, I have three daughters. One of them is a sophomore in college. So I had to go through her adolescence, moving into middle school. Oh, boy, the drama. Moving into high school. Oh, boy the drama. And now in college, oh boy, the drama that I hear from Chloe. I mean, there are times when she has felt that the world was come cra- was coming crashing down because she got in some argument with her best friend at the time. And I remember sitting on her bedside many a night, consoling her, telling her this too shall pass. This argument that you're in with your friend will pass. And with her, the next day, if I'd ask how things were going, she'd be like, everything's great now. We hugged it out. All is well. Or sometimes it might take a week or two or a month, but this too shall pass. And what about the boyfriends? Oh, man the devastation during a breakup. But many of you listening, you have kids and you have experienced your kids having breakups with their girlfriends or boyfriends or whatever drama and you know this too shall pass. The same, it happens with my kids. My little girls, they get hurt and they think it's the end of the world because they, they scratch their knee up a little bit. I mean, I'm, I'm saying there's not even blood showing. But it's the end of the world for them. And I have to tell them this too shall pass. You know, my wife used to say that when my kids were really little, every time I open my mouth, because I'm a pretty loud guy, you know that now, somebody would end up crying. The emotions just dealing with all of this. I've dealt with a lot having three daughters. And this phrase, this too shall pass, it dates all the way back to King Solomon. It was, it was etched in, uh, I don't know if it was that king's ring or a different. It was famously used by Abraham Lincoln. I mean, this phrase has been around forever. Here's a little nugget of truth for us, for investors. 
that you should hold on to, that you would be wise to learn the truth that excess of all kinds will never last. So I've talking about the bad stuff with my daughter and thinking the world's going to end. Then there's the opposite, the good stuff. Well, that excess will not last either. And we need to get that ingrained into our brain as we move into our investment lives. Anybody ever hear about folks being on the cover of Sports Illustrated? Guys or girls, they become great athletes or they had a great year and they end up on the cover of Sports Illustrated. And, and what happens next? The next year comes and they have a subpar year. I mean, people even believe that Sports Illustrated, there's some sort of voodoo related to it because once you end up on the cover, you're bound for failure. I could give you example after example of athletes that have been on Sports Illustrated only to have subpar performance moving forward. But we, us, listeners, me and you, we're smarter than this. And we know that instead of looking towards voodoo, we look towards the scientists who point to something totally different than some sort of voodoo. And that's called mean reversion or the tendency of, the, of observations to move towards average over time. Athletes may be above average for a period of time. They get fame and then all of a sudden they look more like average than above average. That is mean reversion. Athletes are all superior, and sometimes there's good fortune, and sometimes there's good luck. There's good luck, and now the athlete looks to be superior when really they may just be average compared to other athletes. This is mean reversion, reverting back to average, or even called mean regression. And just as it's evident in sports, it's evident on Wall Street. The only problem is the average investor doesn't see it at all. It's not easily noticeable. Mean reversion in the investor's world. Let me give you another example that I learned from Dr. Daniel Crosby's book. Jim Collins and Jim Perez wrote a book called Build to Last. Essentially, they, were, they studied great companies and they wanted to figure out what made them great. So they could tell us about what made them great in the book so we could go build a great company. Who are the visionaries behind these great companies and how are they great so we can build great companies? But when you look at the numbers, the 10 years leading up to the book, these companies, these great companies in the book, they outperformed the market or they outperformed the S&P 500, the 500 largest companies in the United States. They outperformed them by four percentage points a year, 21% on average growth versus 17. That's a lot. That's huge. I mean, this, this outperformance has to be a big reason why they're great companies or why they ended up in this book in the first place. But then then something happened, something called mean reversion or mean regression. It started popping up. And if we look in the following five years after the book was published, only half of these great companies beat the market or beat the S&P 500, beat the average company. 
Just half of them. Well, geez, I thought they were great companies. And then if we take an even broader look, these great companies and their performance 1991 through 2007, we see that these great companies actually underperformed the S&P 500, underperformed the average company. How in the heck did this happen? The answer is mean reversion. These companies, they were really good. They reverted back to the mean. And how did they revert back to the mean? Well, they had some years of underperformance. They had some years of overperformance and they ended up average. This too shall pass. Remember the phrase that I gave you at the beginning. You and me would be wise to learn the truth that excess of all kinds will never last. If you look at academic peer-reviewed research paper, paper after paper after paper prove that this mean reversion exists in the stock market throughout time. Overperformance followed by underperformance resulting in average performance. Are you in a good mood right now? Well, let me, let me pop your bubble because that too will not last. It will be followed by an average mood and a bad mood. Maybe you were in a good mood. Now you started listening to this podcast and now you're in a bad mood. This too shall pass because I keep my podcast short and sweet. The podcast will be done in a few minutes and maybe you'll go back to a good mood. This too shall pass. Think of the real estate bubble in 2008. The housing market was going up and up and up, but it can't go on forever. It was followed by severe underperformance. Same as the Japanese housing market in the 80s in Japan. What about the tech bubble of the early 2000s? Tech stocks were going up and up and up. And what happened? Mean reversion followed by severe underperformance to come out to average. The problem is once we see that underperformance, we sell and that's not good for your investing life. This growth, it does not last forever. And as investors, we end up losing out. We get really zoned in on either a company or a sector And once we see the great rise, now we buy in only just in time for that underperformance. And your take home today will be looking at a new way to review mutual funds and not the way 99% of people that do. Often, such things like like the tech bubble, we rationalize in our head and we say, this time is different. The internet is going to change the world. Well, it did eventually, but that did not mean more and more profits for that particular sector. I mean, think about air travel. Air travel has revolutionized our world, but airlines have underperformed the market in the long run. I brought up Ben Graham a couple of episodes ago. This was Warren Buffett's mentor. Well, Ben Graham once said, obvious prospects for physical growth in a business does not translate into obvious profits for investors. Excess fear and greed in our world does not repeat itself. We are greedy about something now, which is totally different 
about something we were greedy about before. Same as we're fearful about something right now. A lot of times it's, it's, it's political or the things that we're learning on the news. And we think to ourselves, this time is different. But as we learn from past episodes, we suffer from recency bias. And do you think the people that were going through World War I or World War II would say that today is much worse than then? I don't think so. We will always have fear in our lives. And we can't compare it to past fear because either we don't remember it like we did or we didn't even take part in it. I mean, this episode of fear or greed that you might be experiencing, it's not going to look like the last one, exactly, but it will have in common an unrealistic expectation that this time is different. There are different things that we're worried about right now, and it's conjuring up the same feelings as when people were worried about something four years ago, five years ago, or 20 years ago. This time is not different. But you will see headlines in the newspapers and magazines always about this time is different when, in fact, it really isn't. It's manifesting itself in the same way underperformance followed by overperformance or vice versa in the investment world. As an investor, when you can clearly see this throughout history, that this time is not different, that we run through fear and greed periods, when you can see it clearly, that's when your eyes start opening up. And you'll be viewed differently. You'll be viewed as a dodged optimist in the face of global gloom and as a cautious historian in times of champagne and roses. You will be thinking different than the average person. And it isn't fun because you want to agree with other people. But, and here's the big but, it can be very profitable to your financial life. In 2008, Warren Buffett wrote his now famously op-ed called Buy American. And he wasn't making a market prediction. I mean, this is the time when we were deep in our recession. He did not make a market prediction. He did not know how long things were going to be bad. But he did know one thing, one very, very important thing. And that is this two shall pass and it did all right so that's my story about mean regression what do we do about it now well let me tell you how to look at your let's just say your 401k differently right now so the first thing that we do is think anytime you're in some point of extra fear or extra greed that this too shall pass. Secondly, ask yourself, how do I make selections in my 401k? And I'm using that as an example because there's only usually 20 or 30 choices that you can make. And here's what people do. 
They look at the list of 25 mutual funds to select from. They look at the past five or 10 years of mutual fund performance in all of those funds, and they pick the ones that have been doing the best. When, as we know now, these funds are the most susceptible to mean reversion or mean regression, underperformance followed by the overperformance. And if you're picking these funds, now you're picking them at a time that the overperformance already happened. And now you have a greater chance of underperforming the market. Do not choose mutual funds the way 99% of people do. If you want help with your 401k, with your IRA, send me an email and just say so. I will give you an absolutely free second opinion on your 401k or your IRA or your investment account. Let me see what the risk level is for you. Let me see the funds that you have chosen. And maybe they're great. Maybe you can ease your stress a little bit. Or maybe you want some recommendations from me. All you need to do is email me, scott at bestandwealth.com. Say you want access to the free second opinion. My time is up. I have to go. I hope everybody has an unbelievable week. And I'll see you on the flip side. Bye-bye. The Best in Wealth Podcast is hosted by Scott Wellens. Scott Wellens is the principal at Fortress Planning Group. Fortress Planning Group is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities Act of Wisconsin in accordance with compliance with securities laws and regulations. Fortress Planning Group does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Best in Wealth Podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.